Well, good morning. Uh, it is good to see you. It is good to be back. Um, and so for the past several weeks, our elders gave us a, a moment to just kind of pause and take a break and get away. That does not mean I've had several people ask me, so what does it mean? You've been at the beach for three weeks? No. I mean, unless you consider Lake Lurleen the beach, which it's not, by the way. Uh, oh, there is a little beach, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so got a chance to just get away and, and, and pray and, 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 um, for 14 days, went away to Lake Lurleen. I had my two trees next to a chair, next to a picnic table, next to some ducks that I made friends with. And, uh, and I just spent some time out there praying, seeking the Lord. I read several passages of scriptures and just studying, just, just trying to hear from the Lord. And I'll tell you this, um, if you haven't heard from the long, Lord in a long time, you need to carve out time to hear from the Lord. Um, and that's where I was at. I'm just incredibly thankful that our church and our elders uh, gave me a chance to just get away and to meet with the Lord. And um, he didn't meet with me in a burning bush or anything like that. I asked for it several times because that's the part of me that, you know, like, I want to see the Lord do the crazy stuff. Um, but he met with me just in prayer and in study and, and in the still, quiet moments. Um, and that was good. And so thank you, church, uh, for, for letting me do that. Um, just want to say thanks. It was a great gift, great gift. And then the last week we did go to the beach, and um, it wasn't so quiet because the kids were around. So uh, there's that. But glad to be back. Um, and, and so as we dive into a text today, what we just sang um, kind of gets to where I want to head to today. What does it look like to live life on spirit-led purpose or spirit-led inches or, or, or spirit-led pushings? What does it even look like to have a spirit-led purpose in the mundane, in the details of life? Like, what does that even look like? And so, to, to maybe prompt our brains to think this way, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> what would the Spirit have you to do tomorrow? Like, if you have a piece of paper, journal it out. That's cool. You can write it out. Like, what does the Spirit want you to do tomorrow? It's kind of, a, it's kind of an awkward question. It feels funny, doesn't it? What does the Spirit want you to do when we walk out of this room? Now, some of you answered the question with something that was on your calendar, didn't you? If that was you, raise your hand. Well, the Spirit wants me to go to work because that's what I do. <laughs> Troy, you idiot, that's what he wants me to do. And um, some of you answered the question not by that, but some of you answered the question by, I don't know what he wants me to do, so therefore he must just want me to binge watch The Office on repeat over and over and over, right? That was some of you, like... How many of you go, I don't have a clue what he wants me to do? That was you, raise your hand. Okay. It's, it's a question we don't think about a lot. What does the Spirit want us to do? But what I'm submitting to you today is this. According to Scripture, there is something very personal he wants from you every single moment of the day. And the question is, do we take the time to listen? And I think as we think through this, and I began with that very personal question, I, I think we get muddied. I want to give you the earthly reality and the heavenly reality. The earthly reality is this, is we do often get purpose, God's purpose for us, confused by just what's on our calendar. I pop open the calendar, there's 31 things because there's 31 days, and so therefore God's sovereign, that must be what he wants me to do. But in God's sovereignty, there's still room for a personal mission that you really have to accomplish, that you really have to do, that you really have to take a hold of. And that's where he meets us in this explosion of movement beyond us. 
And that's the earthly thing is we do this. We say, well, God's purpose for me is to wake up and drive to school, Troy. Or God's purpose for me is to drop the kids off and then head to work. Or God's purpose for me is to sell the item, to draw up the plans, to teach the class, to work on the computer, to weld the material, to do whatever it is that you're doing. We get muddied, we get confused with our earthly purpose and God's purpose. Now sometimes they are beautifully dancing together, that's true. But here is, there is this heavenly purpose, this heavenly reality that every single one of us has a God-given task greater than our earthly reality. That's true. And he wants us to join him in it and move and dance with him in it. And that's where he does the supernatural. That's where every day becomes extraordinary when we're in that sink. And so hundreds of times in Scripture we see this line over and over and over. Be careful to do all that the Lord commands you and don't turn to the right or the left and I'll be with you. Do everything that I've commanded you. What I've commanded you, here's your marching orders. Don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right and if you do this, I'll be with you. And this is one of those beautiful if-then statements of Scripture. It's this delicate dance. If you do this, I'll do this. And somehow he maintains his sovereignty over all of it. It's just this mind-blowing, beautiful cluster. But it's good. And as a heady church, and we are heady. Like, we're like, man, I, I, I want to know the scripture. I want to dive in. I want to go line by line. I want to dissect. Here's the danger. You can know the text and miss God altogether. We can be heady and miss out on heart altogether. So I think it's good for us to pause and go, what does it look like to be a people not just of head, not sure what that was, but of heart, of movement, of hands, of feet, of joining him in his movements to not turn to the right or the left. So my question again is what is he asking you to do straightforward? What's he calling you to do? There's some goal he wants you to accomplish. There's some mission he wants you to labor towards. There's someone that he wants you to point to strategically back to him. That's just true. Be careful to do all the Lord commands you. Don't turn to the right or left and I'll be with you. He said to Moses, Moses carrying the Ten Commandments. I don't know if they're little bitty. I don't know if they're a big giant. It doesn't matter. They were made of concrete, but he's toting these suckers. And as he writes down the commandments, he says, now take the commandments, give them to the people, and then tell the people, do all that I've commanded you, turn to the right, don't turn to the left, and if you do, I'll be with you. But if you turn to the left, you turn to the right, I won't be with you. All right? Moses gets this command. Joshua gets the command. Moses is told to go there, don't turn to the right or the left, hit the rock, water will come out, he strikes it twice, so he goes to the right or the left, and God says, okay, because you disobeyed me, you can't go into the promised land. I know, crazy. Right? We're going to get to it when we go through Joshua. It's, it's a scary moment. If Joshua don't make it to the promised land because he hits the rock twice, I don't know why I'm still alive. All right? That's just true. He, he diverts. He doesn't follow through. And so Joshua gets the command, you take the people over and do all that I command you. Don't turn to the right or left and I'll be with you. After that, Solomon gets the exact same command. The Lord never had a temple physically built for him. Build me a temple. 
Here's the instructions. Do all that I command you. Don't turn to the right or left. And if you do it, I'll be with you. It's the promise. Jeremiah gets the exact same charge. He's telling the people just how to live. And so he proclaims, do all that the Lord tells you to do. Don't turn to the right or left and he'll be with you. And then all of us in Galatians chapter 5, Paul speaks and he says it this way. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. The Spirit that has made you alive in salvation, if we live by that Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us take step by step by the Spirit. So that's my question I'm asking you. As we forward from here today or tomorrow or whatever it is and you're taking step by step by step are we asking the question spirit of the living God what step do you want me to take in the mundane in the practical in the minutia are we asking that question I think that's important for us and so I I, I guess what I'm trying to get at today and we'll, we'll keep going this, maybe this is just more for me than anybody else. Maybe nobody else. Maybe everybody else is like, of course, Troy, we walk step by step in the Spirit all day long. If that's you, great. I'd love to talk with you afterwards. Tell me how you're doing this. Let's get this. We can write a book. We can make millions. Um, but I think we all struggle with this. But just because we struggle with it don't mean it's not important. So I think the Lord's calling to this. And I know for you, if you're like me, I go, man, I would do that. I would walk in step with the Spirit if He would just write it on the wall. How many of y'all have said that? Lord, if you'll just write on the wall what you want me to do, then I'll do it. If, you, if that's you, if you've done that, raise your hand. Look, God, if you'll just write it on the wall. All right? Good. Half of us are honest. All right? Here's the thing. I think sometimes I say that because that's a justification for me going, I want to be lazy and not hear from you personally, Lord. If you'll just write it on the wall, and it sounds super spiritual, if God's so big, God, if you just write it on the wall, then what I'm saying is, basically, God, I want you to do something that's easy because I don't want to spend the time to labor to hear your voice. And that's what God's calling us to as a church. To be a people who hear the voice of the living God. And it's possible. And it's probable. Let me write up three things real quick that I want you to hear. I think we see this in scripture. Number one is this. It is indeed completely possible to hear God's purposes for you personally. Deuteronomy 4.29 says this. But from there they were confused. The nation of Israel is confused. They weren't hearing from the Lord. They were even saying, is it even possible to hear from the Lord anymore? And here's what he said. You'll seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If, here's the conditional, if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. It's possible to hear from the Lord, oh child of God who's going, I don't know if it's possible to hear from the Lord. It is possible if we're willing to seek him. Number two, it's wise practically to follow his purposes. Why? Because the promise is, if we follow, he'll be with us. Who doesn't want to be with the God of the universe? You shall be careful, therefore, to do as all the Lord has commanded you. Don't turn aside to the right or left. There it is again in Deuteronomy 5.32. So it's possible to hear it. It's practical and wise. And then also this, it's worship to follow the Lord. It's pinpoint worship to give your life for his purposes for you. 
So here's Israel again, and now Israel. They're headed into the promised land. They've been wandering. They're headed in. What does the Lord your God require of you? So if you're going, I don't even know what God wants of me. Here's what he wants of you. Like you don't have to answer the question anymore, what does God want of you? You don't have to go, I don't know. This is what he wants of you, okay? What does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, Deuteronomy 10, 12. And then who quoted that as the great commandment? Jesus. That's what he wants. What he wants for us is to follow him, to be so in tune with him on a daily basis, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second, that this second is not wasted going to the right when he wants us to go left or going to the left when he wants us to go right. But he's a God who's so personal and so big and he invites us into that bigness to move with him because he wants to do something great through you for his glory for eternity and not just this little time, space, history right here and now. But it requires us listening. What do you want me to do? And so as we join in this today, what I'm trying to say is this. We're so heady as a church. We'll quote the Westminster Catechism. I know some of you are catechizing your kids. And the chief end of man. What is the chief end of man? There we go. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's right. That's the chief end of man. The chief end of man is... And we're teaching our kids the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that's true. But the chief end of man is also obey Him right here and right now. To move with him, to step with him personally. And so glorifying God is far more, what I'm trying to say is glorifying God is far more than just singing songs on Sunday morning. Glorifying God is far more than just that Bible study you go to. Glorifying God is far more than tithing. It is far more than overseas mission trips. And check it out, church. Glorifying God is far more than mulching that playground out there. Because what we're prone to do is go, okay, well, the church provided an event. Mulch the, mulch the yard. Sounds like a movie. Mulch the yard. We mulch the yard, and then we walk away going, I glorify God and I served him. And then the rest of the week, we glorify ourselves and serve ourselves. It's so much more. It's so much more personal what he wants from you. And that's what we're diving into today. It's intimate. It's exciting. It's it's it's. It's personal. And so are you journeying with the Lord is the question. And here's the beauty. You can. And he wants you to. So let's dive into this real fast. How are we going to do that? We're going to look at um, one man who, who followed the Lord. Because some of you are like, that's great. I want to follow the Lord, but I don't know how to do that. All right? So let's look at Haggai. I mean, why not, right? It's a creepy name. It's a book we don't usually turn to. As a matter of fact, let's do something fun, okay? If you have a good old hard copy of the Word, let's do something fun. Turn open to the table of contents, all right? Let's, or do something exciting. I'm going to show you something exciting in the table of contents, okay? If you have your digital, you can go ahead and crack it open or whatever. But for all of us with the hard copy, let's go ahead and get the table of contents. Find Haggai on here, okay? Here's some exciting... It has a page number. Go ahead and look at it. I just saved you the embarrassment. All right? 
Never say I didn't give you something. Let's go ahead and look at it. I just saved us about 10 minutes of time. Mine is 12.94. And flip over to Haggai. All right, so let's go ahead and get there. Get up open to Haggai. And what we're going to look at in this obscure book of the Bible is um, this guy who was willing to follow the Lord in every step, in every minutia, in every detail. Um, and, and, and so as we look at it, I think we can learn some things from him. A little context. The Jews had been dispersed in the Babylonian captivity. They'd been exiled. They'd been, they weren't following the Lord to the right or left, and so they were scattered. So the Jews are scattered. Uh, there was this great king, 538 Cyrus the Great. He says, y'all can go back into your land. You can build the temple. And so they do that. Uh, they head on back in. They, they start rebuilding the temple, but they stopped. And the reason they stopped building the temple was because they become more concerned with their jobs, their pocketbooks, what they were doing, just the world, what the world, they became more concerned with the calendar, with what do we do with our calendar book? That's what they become more concerned with. And so they just stopped obeying the Lord. And so God sent Haggai to kind of kick them in the, uh, uh, in the, in the motivator. Um, and was going to encourage them, okay? So Haggai pops on the scene to show them what does it look like to move in step with God's purposes. And so I think there's four things we can learn. If we're going to be a people who hear God's purposes in the mundane in every second, I think there's some things we can learn. Number one is this. I think we can learn that you've got to be willing to turn a deaf ear to all the chatter that's around you. If you want to hear from the Lord, specifically and personally, you're going to have to turn a deaf ear to all the chatter that's around Let's see where we see that in the text. Haggai 1, 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Zemrech, the high priest. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So all of the world, the popular opinion is, we don't need to build the house of the Lord. That's the chatter, that's the buzz. And you've got one man not listening to the rest of the world, and who does God come speak to? That one person. The one person that's seeking the Lord. The one person that's ignoring the chatter. Everybody's going, we don't need to build the house. We don't need to build the temple. And it would have been easy to jump in that sway and go, okay, well, they're making some good logical reasons. And Haggai was the one going, I, I think we just need to listen to the Lord. And that's the one God spoke to. Let's go on to see what the rest of it says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the people say this time has not yet come to rebuild the house. Verse 3, but then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while my house lays in ruin? Did you catch that? The person that the Lord came to speak to was not concerned with building his own paneled house, which is what everybody else was concerned with. If we're going to hear from the Lord... If we're going to hear from the Lord in the minutiae, in the details, then it's probably going to come at the cost of us going, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm so concerned with building my paneled house that I, I need to stop that and turn and look at the Lord. That's what it cost here. The ruling king was Persian. He didn't care if they built the temple or not. He could care less. All he wanted to do was conquer the rest of the world. So they didn't have the pressure of the king telling them you've got to build the temple. 
But the ruling popular opinion was, I'm going to focus on conquering what I want to conquer. And thus doing so, they didn't hear from the Lord anymore. They were just concerned with conquering what they wanted to conquer. The University of Texas did a very real study on the square footage of the world. And maybe you'll be happy to learn this, but uh, there's so much square footage in the world that you, each individual, is allotted two acres of land. Congrats. Yeah, you, probably, you have to buy it because we live in America, you know, that kind of stuff. But if, if, if everybody was given equal amounts, you would get two acres of land. And so basically, what's going on in this time is everybody is so concerned with their two acres of land. How do I cultivate my two acres of land? How do I build my paneled house? How do I do this? That in doing so, they didn't hear from the Lord. And I think that's probably a good word for us to hear today. If we want to hear from the Lord... We can't be so concerned with our two acres of land, building it up, cultivating it up, getting the pop, whatever it is, and hearing from the Lord. It takes ignoring the chatter around you, so I'm going to challenge us this week to let's do that. Let's carve out time this week to just get away and to lose the chatter and the noise. Some of the chatter in your life is your spouse. Right now, I know some of y'all are sitting next to each other, and I just made it really awkward for you. Uh, but there you go, congratulations. Uh, some of it's your spouse, it's constant chatter. We should do this, we should think about this, we should think about this. And, and that was the guy in the conversation, that was the man talking. And then some of it, it's, it's, it's this constant, we need to, we need to, whatever, and it's so. Focused on your paneled house that it's not, hey, what does the Lord want us to do as a family? I'm going to ask you to carve out time this week to not ask the question, what do we want to do? But what does the Lord want to do with us? And ignore the chatter. Some of you, it's your boss. Amen? Amen. And now everybody's like, I ain't going to work this week. I'm carving out time. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm saying. That's... that's but sometimes it's the pressures and the demands and the, the push. And, and you get so wrapped up in all of that that the paneled house of your work becomes all you're concerned with. And I'm just going to ask you this week, did you stop? Again, you got to go to work, right? But just ask the question, Lord, what do you want to do? What, what do you want me to do today in this? Some of you, it's your parents. The chatter is your parents. This is what I want from you. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want your life to be about. <laughs> I know I'm your parent, but I'm also the Lord of your life, and this is what I want for you. And it's so overwhelming that you can't hear from the Lord just because you're bombarded with that chatter. I'm going to ask you this week to just listen to the Lord. Try to push out the chatter. Carve out time to push out the chatter. Carve out space to take Hey, if I can, a sabbatical. The word sabbatical, as I'm studying this week, literally comes from the word meaning to do what is appropriate of the Sabbath. And even on the Sabbath, we've become concerned with, I'm going to go worship the Lord for an hour, and then I'm going to go do. Y'all have probably 17 things after you leave this place, don't you? We've even abused the Sabbath. We don't even carve out time on the day that the Lord said, carve out time. And we can't hear him 
And if you're in the room going, I don't know how to hear from the Lord, maybe the first thing you need to do is just carve out time to hear from Him. Get along with Him. Do what is appropriate to Sabbath. Number two, Haggai was willing to turn the deaf ear. We learned that. And then Haggai and the people were willing to consider their ways, which ties in. Let's look at this, verse 5. Now therefore, says the Lord of the host, consider your ways. He takes them back to the past. If you want to move forward, sometimes moving forward does require looking at the past, contrary to popular opinion, to see what was done wrong here to move forward. Let's look at this. Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, but you've harvested litter. You eat litter, little. That'd be disgusting. Uh, you've sown much, but you've harvested little. You eat but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one's ever warm. And he who earns wages does so just to put them in bags with holes. Golly, that's good. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. If we're going to be a people who are led by the purposes of the Lord, number one, it requires us just ignoring the chatter, but number two, considering our ways. Considering is a fascinating word. It doesn't mean to just look back to the past. What it literally means is to scrutinize the past. It means to examine the past with the intent to change. That's what scrutinize means. And so that's what he says. He says, if you want to hear from him, then you need to look back and you need to think about all of the things that were done and you need to focus on new steps and new challenges and new changes. Here's what it sounds like to us today. You are on the phone all day long. But who does the Lord want you to call? That's what he, he's doing here with them. He's going, you've, you've sown this, but you've harvested little. You've done this. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, get on your phone, but does the Lord want you to call somebody specifically? Like, is there, is there a category in your understanding of the Lord that he could actually want you to call somebody? Or it looks like this, you go places all day long, but where does the Lord want you to go next? Or you hear things all day long, but what is the Lord saying to you? You respond to people all day long, but how does the Lord want you to respond? Parents with kids, because I can speak to us. We speak to our kids all day long, but how does the Lord want us to speak to our kids? You see how this fits in every single aspect? When you're at the gas pump, you're pumping your gas, but does the Lord want you to do something in your pumping of gas? Just leave it there. Like, like when, you, when you're huffing the fumes because they smell good. Okay, let's just be honest. Gas fumes smell good. Can I get an amen? Yes, amen. All of us said amen because they smell good. That's why. So we're pumping our gas and we're smelling our fumes could it be possible that the Lord wants you to walk around the pump and talk to the person right around the pump? Like, is that even possible? And we go, I don't know. Because we don't ask. If we want to seek the Lord, if we want to hear from Him, we need to ask the question. Or in the car line, when you just want the person in front of you to move. Does the Lord want you to do something other than shoot them a bird? Can you, we can say that. I didn't shoot the bird, you shot the bird, it's your fault. Like, does the Lord want you to do something different? Like, do we even ask? 
when you're on the internet? Is it just, well, I want to research that Pinterest idea because I think it's cool? Or does the Lord want you to do something different? What do you want me to read, Lord? In the past I read this, but what do you want me to read? Well, I got to read this because I got to finish the series, the Mitford series. Y'all didn't know I knew Mitford, right? I got to finish the series, so that's what I need to read next. But what if the Lord wants you to read something else? What does he want you to do? Haggai called the people to scrutinize and to consider their ways. And if we're going to hear from the Lord, it's going to call us to do the same. Number three, let's keep going. Number one, turn a deaf ear to the chatter around him. Number two, consider our ways. And then number three, willingly to pursue the Lord, to glorify him in physical, tangible, measurable, actionary steps. It is one thing to hear from the Lord. It is another thing to journal what he said. And it's a whole nother to take your feet in a shuffling mood and start moving towards what he said. But that's what they had to be willing to do. Verse 8. So go up to the hills, bring the wood, build the house that I may take pleasure in it. Check this out. And that I may be glorified. God was glorified not when they heard from him. God was glorified when they did what? Got up, picked up the wood, and built the house. It takes action. It takes doing something. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. And that's what some of us in this room, they're getting in the power stance now. I don't even know why we're like this. All right, but let's just go with it. Some of us in this room are like, I don't know where the Lord's at. I don't know what he wants me to do. And maybe it's not you don't know what he wants you to do. It's just you're not willing to do it. You know exactly what he wants you to do. But you got to do it. And that's where he was glorified. But you did some stuff and you, you went to the right and left, but I didn't command that, so I blew it away. It's what he says. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruin while each of you busies himself with your own house. Let us not be a people so concerned with our own house that we miss the direction of the very Lord that we claim to worship. We love slapping that poster on the wall inside our house. If the, if the Lord builds the house, what, what, if, 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 uh, those who labor, unless the Lord builds the house, there we go, just got to get it right. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor in vain build it. We love that because it's a cool poster to slap on our wall, right? It's one thing to slap it on your wall. It's a whole other thing to live it out. And God's far less concerned that we slap verses on our wall and more concerned that we get up and go when he says get up and go and we pick up the wood when he says pick up the wood and we build the house when he says build the house. We need to be a people who obey the Lord. So it's going to take ignoring the chatter, considering their ways, and then actually getting up and doing what he tells us to do. Haggai relayed this spirit-led purpose that really required movement. Church, listen, man. God wants to use us, and in using us, it doesn't just work in our minds and our pen journaling something, some cool thoughts. It takes us using our hands, our feet, and moving in motion for his glory. Picking up the wood wasn't easy, was it? Going up in the hills wasn't easy, was it? 
Building the house wasn't easy, was it? There was a million other things they could have done. They could have built their paneled houses. But that's the very thing he slapped them right in the teeth for. What does God want you to do tomorrow? Better yet, today. Better yet, right now. They turned a deaf ear to the chatter around them. They considered their ways. They glorified God in tangible movement. And then finally, they were willing to do today what they wished they would have done yesterday. And praise the Lord that God is still a God who will let us do today what we wish we would have done yesterday. They wish they would have done that. There was a chance that they could have always walked with the Lord. But there was a remnant that had to move. And let's read through this real fast as we close it out. I got one twelve, and I'm going to read through chapter 2, verse 9, to see what happened when they began to obey. Remember, this was a people who said, I don't even know where the Spirit's at anymore. I don't even know what He feels like anymore. He seems so absent from me. But they obeyed, and then watch what happens. See if the Spirit returns to them or not. Verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of... Sh I'm just going to skip all those names. So I don't know what they mean. I, I know Joshua. I know that one, all right? With the high priest... With all the remnant of people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I'm with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, stirred up the spirit of Joshua the high priest, stirred up the spirit of the remnant of the people, and they came and they worked on the house of the Lord their host. On the 24th day of the month, 6th month, 2nd year of King Darius, first chapter 2. And in the 7th month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, Speak now to Zerubbabel the governor, to Joshua the high priest, to the remnant of the people, and say, who's left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not nothing in your eyes? Yet now, be strong. Zerubbabel declares the Lord, be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst Fear not. So if you took all of this that I said before and go, I'm not hearing from the Lord. He must be absent. That's just not true. But it does require you moving. And there's something mysterious about when you move in step with Him, He meets you in a fresh and new way. Long for it. Crave it more than you crave Dickies leaving here. Which is just gross, to be honest with you. Go somewhere else. Crave it. Want to hear from him. Move in step with him. And he promises, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. My spirit won't be absent from you. If you do this, I'll stir up afresh and anew in your heart. Do you want it? Do you want it? Where am I at? Verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I'll shake all the nations so that the treasures of the nations shall come in and I'll 
Fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. And the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord. Do you want peace? Do you want the presence of the Lord? It's tied to you Seeking what he's saying and obeying him. It's all together. And so they rediscovered God's power, his presence, his confidence, and they got his peace. And these crazy Israelites could have never known a day without God's presence had they just obeyed when he said go right and just obeyed when he said go left. These dumb Israelites, if they would just obey, God's presence would be with them, right? Well, praise the Lord, the God of those Israelites is the same God today (laughs) who said, all right, I'm here still. Seek me now afresh and anew, and I'll return. Praise God, he's still a God who goes, you who, when I told you to go right, go left, can get back on and go right. So draw a line in the sand today. What's the Lord saying to you practically, personally, intimately? And yes, good reform folks in the church. Band, come on back up. Here we go. Y'all ready? Let's get after it. Sometimes in our understanding of God's sovereignty, we get lazy. And we go, well, if God is just sovereign, then I just sit back and his presence is always with me. Positionally, yes. Salvation, yes. Practically, I don't don't think so. And I think I got a whole Bible saying the same thing. If you do this practically, then I will do this practically. If you don't do this practically, then I won't do this practically. Praise God, sometimes he supersedes our don'ts. That's that's grace. But may we never be lazy just because we believe our God is sovereign. He's sovereign enough to give us commands for us to really obey and glorify him. Let's be a people who do it. So the question is, what's he calling you to do? Or me to do? So as the band begins to play, I'm going to read one more quote by Sam Storms. Golly, I thought this was good. Sam Storms is an Acts 29 pastor. Uh, He's the president-elect of the Evangelical Theologian Society. Man, That's like the top thing. Wheaton professor. This brother's solid, okay? Theologically, he would be on, like if we're picking a kickball team, he'd be on our kickball team, right? This is this this dude. Let's, Let's quote. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that God has granted to Christians the ability either to restrict or release what the Spirit does in the life of the local church. 
The Spirit comes to us as a fire either to be fanned into full flame and given the freedom to accomplish His will or to be doused and extinguished by the water of human fear, control, and flawed theology. May we never quench the Spirit of the living God in our church nor our life personally. Let's pray. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for this text. Thank you for where you have our church in this process of thinking through what does Spirit-led life look like. And as we sing now, God, I pray that you continue speaking practically. What does this mean for us? What does it mean for us to be a people who are constantly asking the question, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to listen to? What do you, what do you want me to wear? What do you want me to eat? God, that you would have a category for what we eat. That you really would be our all in all. Let's pray. Individually. And then let's worship. Ask the Lord what would he have you to do today, this week this second, and the band will begin to sing in a minute.